In this edition of Locked On Capitals, Matt Weirich joins us once again on Locked On Capitals as we talk about this Washington Capitals team. Can they keep the winning going? We'll talk about that next. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, give it a thumbs up. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So once again, in this edition of Locked On Capitals, we are happy to say that we have Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Dan. Well, this Capitals team is kind of inconsistent. It seems like they'll win a big game like they did last night against a formidable opponent, but then they'll end up losing one. So kind of if we're going on any pattern here, it seems like the Caps might drop the next one. Is there any good news that we can take from this game. I think if I was going to say one thing, I would say that last night's game was, it was one of the first games I can remember in a long time that this Capitals team was working together as one cohesive unit. What are your thoughts about the Capitals game last night and going forward here? Yeah, I agree. Last night's game, it it seemed like they played a full 60 minutes, which is something they have been pushing for and really haven't been doing a whole lot of to this point of the season. I think if there's one real positive takeaway you bring from that game. It's that they jumped out to an early lead and never looked back. That's something that the Capitals have really honed in on, not chasing games, but rather being the team that sets the tempo, gets out in front, and is rather playing on the defensive, protecting a lead as opposed to trying to chase one. So that's exactly what they did against Vancouver, which obviously isn't a juggernaut by any means, but was coming into this contest on a nice three-game winning streak, uh, had been scoring a lot of goals, and was just held to one. So Uh, From top to bottom, really a complete performance from the Capitals and exactly the kind of game they were looking to have after they lost their previous one. Yeah, I mean, and that was just a a refreshing thing about that game is, you know, oftentimes when you watch the game, it seems like there's one standout star, like Alex Ovechkin maybe got a hat trick, but then the rest of the game, you know, was a dumpster fire. So it was really great to see, like I said, the whole team working together uh, as one unit. Um, If you take a look at it, though, like I talked about, it's the inconsistency. You take a look, they beat the Calgary Flames looking back here a little bit, but then they lost to the Devils and they pick up this big one. What is it going to take for this team to be able to string together multiple wins? Uh, One could say, you know, just kind of duplicate what they did last night, but it doesn't really seem like it's something that's quite that easy. Yeah, you know, I think that we've seen a lot of times this season, the Capitals try to just rip off a lot of shots, pure volume, get as many shots off as possible, but they're not necessarily high quality shots. And then when they were really getting into the high danger chances, they weren't finishing plays. And that was what was resulting in the one goal outings, the two goal outings, the three goal outings for them to have the the four and five goal outings that they need uh, to really be a playoff contender. You know, I, I think they really have to play like they did last night in terms of, you know, setting the tempo, 
really making tough entries through the neutral zone, carrying the puck over themselves, trying to get more of that vertical offense that we see guys like Evgeny Kuznetsov and Sonny Milano succeed in so much, create those plays rather than just the duck and chase uh, where they really are kind of playing from behind and, and trying to, to create opportunities where they might not be. So, I mean, the next team the Capitals have to face is a formidable opponent, and it is going to be the Seattle Kraken. And this is not the Seattle Kraken team of last year. This is a Seattle Kraken team that's pretty dialed in. The Kraken have won six in a row and sit second in the Pacific. So, I mean, taking a look at this Kraken team, it seems like it is going to be a bit of a tall task. Another late game for the Capitals. What are your thoughts and outlook for this game coming up? Do you think that they learned something uh, in this last game that they can take into the next game? Uh, it's going to be a tough task, suffice to say. Yeah, if one thing's for sure, they're going to have to bring the offense with the Kraken coming off of that crazy 9-8 to overtime win uh, over the Los Angeles Kings. At the same time, the Caps are beating the Canucks, the highest scoring game of the year. Uh, you know, yeah, you, you say that they gave up eight goals, but their goaltending has actually been a lot better this season than it was last year. Uh, and that's been something that was really holding them back a year ago was just how bad that goaltending was. But, you know, they have guys like Burakovsky. They can score. Uh, the Capitals are going to have to bring their A game. There's no doubt about it. And they've struggled uh, against some of the teams that are currently sitting in first place. Teams like the Devils, teams like the Golden Knights, uh, the Kraken sitting there right behind Vegas uh, in that Pacific division. This is going to be a tough task for the Caps, no doubt. Uh, and they have Calgary you know, coming up right after that, so it's not really going to let up. But uh, they, they need to start stringing some wins together. And with them having been so good on the road the last few years, you have to think that they're going to be dialed up for this one. And that's one of the things, too. I want this Capitals team to be put through the paces. You know, oftentimes people say, well, we have these really easy games coming up against the Coyotes or that. That's nonsense. If you want to compete for a Stanley Cup, you want to take on and beat some of the best teams in the NHL. And uh, the Capitals have kind of struggled with that a bit this year. So I'm kind of excited uh, to see what this team has in the tank. If they could take down the crack. And I think that that would be a big victory, you know, a big boost to morale uh, to prove to a lot of different people, most notably themselves, that they are worth it. Um, but just taking a look out at, at the Metro here, it is not the way, you know, anyone really thought it was going to be the Rangers in fifth place with 24 points. They were one of the favorites to be the top of the Metro division, along with the Hurricanes. As it stands right now, it is the New Jersey Devils. The New Jersey Devils have 38 points. The gap is starting to get wider. Um, so the Caps with 23 points, they are trying to make headway in this Metro division. Talk to me a little bit about the Metro. It is not how anyone really thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, no one expected the Devils to be the best team in the, the division, you know, at any point throughout the year, and never mind uh, after Thanksgiving. They've certainly got off to a fantastic start. Uh, obviously had that 13-game winning streak, but even then they came back and won a couple more uh, after snapping that streak. So they look like a force to be reckoned with. They're a young team. They're going to be around a while, uh, so we better get used to it, especially if Vitek Vanacek is going to be the goaltender uh, that we saw against Washington the other night. Um, but we know, you know, the Islanders, obviously with Sorokin, they're going to be a contending team on any given night, just having him on the ice uh, you, of course, have the Hurricanes, who are last year's Metro Division champions. So I think, honestly, those three teams, to me, uh, really look like the locks to make the playoffs at this point. And, you know, Pittsburgh isn't far off uh, from that third spot in the Metro at the moment. Uh, but certainly, 
you know, I think that Pittsburgh, especially with Chris Letang uh, suffering a stroke and now going to be out indefinitely, that's going to be a significant blow for that team. Uh, I don't know if there really is another team in the division that's in fighting distance right now that really stands out to me as a team that could leapfrog one of those three. So the Capitals might have to be looking at one of those wild card spots once again. Yeah, and that's that's my thing, and that's what I keep talking about. You know, stringing together these wins because. You know, to a certain extent, I think Capitals fans, you know, they'll win two in a row and they think that they can already start etching the, the names of the players on the side of the Stanley Cup. It's not that easy. Uh, you have to get consistency on this team. And so far, that has eluded this team thus far. All right. So after the break here, we will talk about the historic night of Alex Ovechkin. Yes, he it pretty much breaks records every night he's on the ice. We'll talk about that next. Today's episode of Locked On Capitals is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, and news and analysis. Get all of the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. And guys, even if you're not into betting, you can bet on upcoming Capitals games. So it makes it that much more exciting. So go to BetOnline where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this edition, we are joined once again by Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. It was a great game for the Capitals in general, just a really decisive victory. It wasn't one of the games that they kind of backed into victory. They took it head on, but it was a really great game for Alex Ovechkin as he gets uh, 403 career road goals. He passed Wayne Gretzky for the most road goals in NHL history. Historic night. It seems historic every time Ovi's on the ice. Talk to me a little bit about Ovi and uh, the great night that he had. Yeah, you know, scoring both of the first two goals for the Capitals. I believe he moved into sole possession of first place for the most game opening goals as well. Uh, he added a new goalie uh, to his ledger, one, number 165, which is third on the all-time list of most goalies scored against. It was moving into third place on the game-winning goals list. I mean, it, no matter every – it seems like every goal that, that Ovechkin scores, it's counting towards some ledger. Uh, and he's certainly uh, within that range now at this point, nearing – uh, 800 sitting at 793 so uh this is just uh you know an Ovechkin night you know he took over early and, and set the tone for this game and you know I thought the aggressiveness from him was really notable we've seen at times for him to kind of sit back in that circle wait for the pass to come to him wait for the play to develop in front of him but he went up and, and got some of those greasy goals uh you know showing the physicality fighting for pucks down low you know that's the kind of Ovechkin that we've seen over the years the big body forward uh, who can make a, all kinds of scoring plays himself. Uh, he did that uh, last night, and it was super impressive to see and really set the tone for that entire game, which is exactly what the Capitals needed. 
Yeah. And when I was watching that game last night, I was thinking, you know, he's going to end up getting a hat trick in the first period, which, you know, would be quite a feat uh, in and of itself. But um, he is slowly also chipping away uh, at that uh, goal uh, lead or that he's going after Gordy Howe. Uh, he is uh, chasing Gordy Howe for second all time and 102 away from breaking Gretzky's all time scoring record. Um, he has also had four goals in the last four games. So it seems like, you know, everyone talks about Alex Ovechkin is getting older and he can't maintain, you know, a 50 goal season, but it seems like he's kind of on par to do bigger things and maybe get 50 goals this year. I think it was Tarek Elbashir that pegged him at 47, uh, which, you know, that's pretty much 50 anyway, isn't it? Uh, what is your outlook for, for Alex Ovechkin? Do you think he, he can have another 50 goal season? I would never discount him. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, he's coming off of a 50-goal season last year. So, you know, he would be the the first age 37 player or older to do it. Uh, but I believe he was the first age 36 player or older to do it. So, you know, that's that's just kind of the rare era that Ovechkin's in. It's his own, own caliber of player at this point. Uh, and with Gretzky now being as close as he is, like you mentioned, coming up on the century mark, it's going to soon be double digits uh, in terms of the difference between him and Gretzky, which is just unfathomable to think about. Uh, you know, he, he's he's still doing it and, you know, he's still shooting the exact same shot that he's been shooting since he was 24 years old. And it's just as impossible to stop uh, now as it was then. So I absolutely think that he could flirt with 50 again this year. And even if he doesn't, he's still going to be well on pace uh, to reach Gretzky's record uh, within the current contract that he's on right now. Yeah, I want to say it, isn't it like the projection? I want to say like the 24 or 25 uh, season that they think that uh, he he might end up me- making that mark. I don't remember. It, there was this uh, app the, that was on Google that kind of projected when he was going to get uh, that gold title. But uh, an engaged Alex Ovechkin is a great uh, Ovechkin. And uh, the thing I like about him too, is that he's kind of upping his physical game. Uh, I've talked to you before in this podcast, so it seems to have been a bit absent. Uh, but when Alex Ovechkin is engaged in throwing that body around, it seems it's a bit contagious, and it seems like the Capitals play that much better, uh, you know, when he's when he's pushing his weight around and he's gr- scoring those great goals. Talk to us a little bit about the impact, not just the goal scoring, but the leadership that Alex Ovechkin brings to this team. Absolutely. I mean, you know, whether or not he's getting up on the table and shouting at his team or just going out there and playing, they follow his lead. You know, it, it's it's about the tone that Alex Ovechkin sets. At the end of the day, this is his team. And, you know, if he thinks that they need to go out there and be more physical, he's got to be the one to go out there and, and lead that charge. Now, he has guys like John Carlson and TJ Oshie uh, who are also leaders on this team and can set the tone in their own way. And I think the addition of TJ Oshie off of IR these last few games has made a huge difference, especially for the energy level of this team. I think Oshie is a big spark plug in that regard, uh, and he's certainly brought the physicality in his own way uh, over these last few games as well. But at the end of the day, like I said, this is Alex Ovechkin's team. Now, you don't want him to get uh, too physical to the point where he's putting himself in, in harm's way and, right. and risking injury because you, they lose Alex Ovechkin and you might as well write this season off. But at the end of the day, like I said, this is this is Alex Ovechkin's team. He he sets the tone, and uh, these last few games he's been doing it well, and, and the Capitals Capitals been winning. Yeah, and I agree with you on that. I mean, that was his game kind of when he first came into the league where he would drop the gloves all the time. But the last real fight I can remember him in was in 2019 
against Shvechnikov. And if we remember how that went, it was a knockout. And they were, everyone get him out on the ice. The guy's knocked out. So, you know, it's one of the things where, like, don't poke the bear uh, if you, uh, unless you want to get in a big fight. But it's interesting you bring up TJ Oshie coming back. Uh, just a really big key piece to this team, along with Alex Ovechkin. What was the biggest thing, uh, kind of talking about what we were talking in the first segment there, are you aware of any uh, team meeting that kind of just, it's to get the team all dialed in? I remember last March, uh, TJ Oshie talked about there was an all-player meeting, and then the Capitals went on a tear, and they won a bunch of games. Are you aware of some sort of team meeting? I haven't heard anything uh, from any of the beat writers or anything. What was the big change last night? I haven't heard of any team meetings per se. I know that actually the last time the Caps played the Canucks, Oshi was among the players to step up. And then they went and scored four goals uh, in that third period to orchestrate a multi-goal comeback. So uh, they definitely have had those types of meetings before at different points this season, whether they be between periods or after a practice or after a game or whatever. Uh, but I, I think with Oshi coming back, you know, he's trying to bring positivity. You know, they've been in a rut for, for a while now. They've really been struggling. They had lost four in a row uh, when Oshie came back. And now they've won three of four. And I think that they're starting to figure out what time, kind of team they can be. I mean, you look at the roster that they had when all these guys were out. When you were missing Oshie, you were missing Carlson, missing several guys up and down this lineup. You know, it, it was hard for them to lean on, this is who we are. We can at least play our brand of hockey because they didn't know what their brand of hockey was. Now we're, we're starting to see the physicality come back. We're starting to see, you know, backing up that physicality with goal goal scoring prowess. You know, TJ Oshie being the threat that he is to score, particularly on the power play, I think has given this team a huge boost. They obviously didn't score on the power play last night, but to see them score four even strength goals, I think that was one of the biggest signs of positivity from that, that win over the Canucks was just that they were able to generate so much offense at even strength when they've struggled really in that regard pretty much all season. Yeah, and you know the, th the interesting thing about T.J. Oshie is, I mean, he is a goal scorer, but he brings um, a lot of intangibles to the team. It just seems that everyone on the team is in love with him. You know, he, everyone plays better when he's out on the ice, and he just uh, exudes this positive energy. Even in post-game pressers, he's always smiling and just putting a positive spin. And it's really interesting that you can draw lines to the return of T.J. Oshie to the lineup that this team has played that much better. I guess, you know, you could discredit that a bit in the New Jersey game, but he's not a magic pill for God's sake. Uh, but uh, I do think that uh, having TJ Oshie in the lineup and Alex Ovechkin dialed in has definitely helped with the capital success. All right. So after the break here, we are going to talk about this capitals team. Uh, do they need to make any changes? It's my belief that after Tom Wilson comes back or before Tom Wilson comes back, once Dmitry Orlov is on this team, that Brian McClellan can assess this team and decide if any changes need to be made We'll talk about what changes might need to be made next. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this episode, we are joined once again by Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington. And it, this is my theory. You know, this is just as a fan. I'm taking a look at it. You saw John Carlson come back. You saw TJ Oshie come back. Once Dmitry Orloff comes back, it's my belief that Brian McClellan should, you know, kind of take a look at this roster and see what he has. Uh, you take a look at this Capitals team. I know it's easy when you're riding on a high 
to to kind of think that this team is doing really well. But the Capitals are five and nine uh, this month, the last I checked. So, you know, it's not going according to script, really. Um, so once Orlov comes back, I think that that is a biggest a key player to this team because Tom Wilson He's not going to be back until Christmas or New Year's, or New Year's, and you can't wait that long to make any changes. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think soon here that Brian McClellan is going to have to kind of see if he can make some blockbuster trade? You know, maybe do another Sonny Milano thing, pick someone off uh, off a PTO or something like that. What do you think this that Brian McClellan needs to do to keep the winning going? Yeah, you know, if they are able to start piling up some wins here, they get Orlov back, you're pretty much sitting with the roster that they're going to have, as you mentioned, through the new year. You're going to get Tom Wilson back at some point. They'll probably get Beck Malenstein back, who was really an injury replacement more than anything and could end up being sent back down to Hershey rather than being put into the lineup. But he did impress in a small sample size. And then, of course, there's Nicholas Backstrom, who we have seen skating, you know, before and during some morning skates uh, so far these last couple of weeks. But he still doesn't have a set timeline, and Peter Laviolette wouldn't even commit to him necessarily returning this year. So it is still very much up in the air as to his status. I think what they they see as possible for Backstrom plays a big role in this because of how big of a salary cap hit he is going to take once he does return. They're going to have to have the space. I think with the current constraints that they have right now, they will, especially with guys like Connor Brown out for the year. That saved up some money there, where you know Carl Hagelin as well, where you could bring back Backstrom and it won't create any you know, ugly situations where you might have to cut somebody. But if you were to make a big trade, you know, I don't think they could afford to take on a ton of salary right now. So I would imagine that if they do go after somebody, it'll be a player uh, likely on an expiring contract, not somebody who you're necessarily tying yourself down to unless you decide to shake things up. You've got guys like Lars Eller uh, and Anthony Manta who did team up for a goal uh, in the Canucks game, but haven't necessarily been having their best seasons you have Mantha under contract for two more years. Maybe you're able to flip him in a deal to free up some space for a bigger move. Uh, but certainly that's something that Brian McClellan will have to weigh uh, as we approach that March 3rd deadline. Yeah, I mean, I guess if there was one place that I would start, I would take a look at the Capitals' blue line. And people say, well, what are you talking about? What about the blue line? John Carlson's the only guy under contract except uh, under uh, Martin Faravari, who is a restricted free agent. And I was talking about this with Mike Vogel, and he said, you take a look at this Capitals team. Are you going to give Dmitry Orloff a, you know, a five-plus-year deal when we know a rebuild is coming at some point? So it's kind of a little bit, you know, I'm going to draw a comparison to the Nationals because you used to cover the Nationals is a Max Scherzer, a Trey Turner thing. You would have loved to keep those players on this team, but you knew you weren't going to be able to sign, sign them. You know, it was the same thing with Juan Soto, Scott Boris, his agent. Yeah, go ahead and make me an offer. You'll never get there, but go, go ahead and make me an offer. That's the same thing taking a look at this Capitals team is that they need to find a way to take a look at some of the players that they're going to be able to sign and they're not going to be able to sign. You take a look at Dimitri Orloff. He is due for a raise. Uh, if you take a look at a good two-way defenseman, so the blue line, in my opinion, would be a good idea. You know, I hear a lot of grief from Capitals fans. You can't let go of these guys we've loved for so many years. Listen, change is coming. You're just going to have to embrace it. Would you think the blue line would be a good place for the Capitals to start making changes because it's going to happen at the end of the season anyway? Yeah, I think it definitely makes sense. I mean, we've talked before about how there has been some suspect play in front of Darcy Kemper this year defensively. How also this is a team that Peter Laviolette's system relies on defensemen being part of the rush, taking on a scoring load. And we haven't really seen them contribute in that way. 
uh, for the most part this season. I mean, we've seen John Carlson and Dmitry Orlov both miss significant amount of time. But, you know, other than those two, even when they've been on the ice, it really hasn't been a whole lot of scoring from the, from the blue line department. So I think they absolutely could use a, another player in that regard. Uh, you, they, like you said, all of these players are in expiring deals. So maybe you, you flip somebody uh, and, and then open up a spot and then bring somebody else in. Uh, you know, Alex Alexiev has only appeared in one game this year. He didn't necessarily look ready uh, to be playing a, a full, you know, starters minutes uh, on the ice in an NHL game right now. So there really isn't anyone in the organization, I would say, is ready to step up and take that spot. So if you are going to bring in some help, it would have to come in from outside the organization. And I definitely wouldn't put it past McClellan uh, to make a move like that. You know, and, and the interesting thing, too, is you could also look internally. You could see what you have in Hershey. But that's that's one of those tricky things because we already have some Hershey guys on the roster. I'm calling them Hershey guys. You know, Joe Snively and Alexia, that kind of thing. Um, so it is an interesting position. If you bring someone up from Hershey, it's my belief that you should have a spot to put him because if you see Connor McMichael, he's doing an okay job at the center position on the second line primarily. Um, some people have said maybe Connor McMichael deserves a call-up even though he was just sent down. Um, if you start taking a look at the lineup, one of the players that's kind of glaring to me, and uh, I guess I don't have his stats right in front of me right now, is Alexi Protus. He's a guy that really lit it up in the preseason, but has been kind of silent on the score sheet as of late. To me, he seems like one of the weaker links on this team. Um, you know, I don't know if they have anyone else down in Hershey that would do a better job. But do you think that Alexi Protus's days on this big Capitals team is numbered, just considering, you know, he hasn't had a real great outburst of production? He definitely hasn't been scoring in the way that you might hope for. Now, he isn't getting a ton of minutes, you know, compared to a lot of the other forwards on the team. And now he's skating on that fourth line uh, with Nick Dowd uh, and Garnett Hathaway, which is a line that while it has come through with some scoring at times, isn't necessarily relied on in that department as much as it is maybe playing defensively going up against these other top lines of other teams. So I think he has impressed uh, the coaching staff and his is battling along the boards, his defensive play, fighting for pucks, uh, using his size. I think that he could improve for sure uh, in using his size to his advantage. He almost plays a little like a gentle giant. Uh, which is kind of surprising for for a player of his stature. But I think that's something that comes with getting used to being in the NHL uh, and getting more time uh, just being up there and, and getting that that pace down. So I don't know if they're necessarily going to send him down anytime soon. They have Nicholas Abe-Kubel uh, on the roster as somebody who has played that fourth-line role uh, since coming over from Toronto. If they wanted to, they could send Protus down to Hershey without subjecting him to waivers. There would be no risk there. So if they decide that, you know, maybe he needs some more seasoning down in the AHL, I could totally see that happening. But I do think they give him a little bit more run here uh, just to see what he can do uh, once he really gets settled in with that group. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, I guess it depends on how the rest of the season goes, but say for some reason it doesn't go as well. There are some players I'd like this Capitals team, the big team, to get a closer look at, like Iorio, for example, you know, these young up-and-comers to see, you know, what they have in the tank. I know he's a young man, so I mean, maybe he's too young to even take on a mission like that, but I think the Capitals do have some good players in time. You know, we've talked about Hendrix Lop here and Connor McMichael. And the biggest thing for them is they just need to be patient. We know that a rebuild um, is coming at some point, uh, but when that remains to be, I guess, uh, it remains to be seen. All right, Matt, once again, thank you for joining us on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Why don't you tell uh, all the listeners of this podcast where we can find your work? 
Yep, you can check me out over on Twitter at ByMattWyrick and read all of my stuff over at NBCSportsWashington.com. All right, Matt. Once again, thank you for joining us on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Thank you for making Locked On your Capitals your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. My name is Dan Holmey, and I'll talk to you again next time.